This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another amazing show lined up for you, and I have my good friend, Vivek Ayani, who is from Singapore. He is a what we call a millennial specialist and a keynote speaker. He is the author of three books. One of them is called Empowering Millennials and Engaging Millennials. And he's also got another book, which we'll talk about as well, coming out. Um, we have, He has spoken at organizations such as Oracle, the Brunei government, Johnson & Johnson, uh, Delta Airlines, and many, many more. Uh, Vivek specializes in how to engage millennials and help them to achieve their peak performance. Uh, now, during the pandemic, uh, Vivek also signed uh, a three-book deal with Penguin Random House and it loves engaging with senior leaders on their experience in engaging millennials into the workplace. Now, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking about, number one, we're going to talk about what is actually a millennial um, it's really interesting because we, we, I was actually speaking to Vivek um, offline. And we were just having a real laugh about this, but we're going to be talking about that. Uh, secondly, we're going to talk about what are the trends, what are the behaviors, um, and what are the habits that millennials engage in, especially from a mindset perspective um, that, that Vivek has found in his research. Um, we're also going to be talking a little bit about how leaders can position themselves in order to attract top talent, uh, and also millennials in their business. Um, we're also going to be talking a little bit about, you know, the benefits of why you need to have millennials in your actual workplace, right? So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. And also we're going to be talking about something which is really trending right now, which is all about the silent resi resignation, right? And you guys probably would have heard of that if you've experienced it yourself as a business owner or whatever it is. So lots of things to get through today. Really looking forward to the conversation and uh, so without further ado, Vivek, welcome to the show. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really looking forward to the conversations too, uh, Vivek. And you know what? For full disclosure, I just wanted to tell you this, right? I have never in my life come across a millennial specialist. I just wanted to let you know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've got audiences from all over the world and I'm fascinated and intrigued about how you became an expert millennial, right? You're you're a millennial yourself, right? And um, yeah, you know, I, I, I know that the audience will be fascinated to learn how you got into the whole kind of like learning about millennials and how you kind of jumped into becoming an expert in this kind of realm because it's, it's kind of a niche thing, isn't it? Yeah. Sure, let me let me get you started on that. I'm a millennial. Um, let me give you the brief uh, description. So we have the baby boomers who are from 1946 to 1964. We have the Gen X, that's 1965. To millennials are from the 1980 to about 1995. And we have the Gen Zs, that's 1996 to about 2010. Right, and of course, 
There's also a micro in between. Um, they call them the Zini N N I A L S or the geriatric millennials in '84. So uh, based on that definition alone, of course, I fall into the millennial um, category. But of course, there's also other things that um, also you have to look into whether you have the same kind of belief systems, whether you remember the same kind of events around the world when you were growing up. All of these things actually influence uh, which generation you associate with. There, there are millennials who associate with being more of a gen. They, they kind of uh, lived in that kind of time and space where they systems and they were privy to those kind of events. And there are uh, Gen X who feel like they're more millennial as well. So it really depends on the individual. But uh, for science, for social science, we have these numbers, uh, you know, to really help us understand which generation we belong to. Yeah. So that's uh, th- that's the first question. What was the second question again? <laughs> the second question, how did you be- become that kind of go-to expert? What was the journey behind uh, that? In terms of- yeah. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious how you ended up. Because this is kind of like, a, for me, it's a, a very specialish um niche industry do you know that yeah yeah absolutely so well what i kind of realized is when i graduated right and i went into school uh i mean i went started to work i i went into the schools to do a lot of work uh, in terms of leadership development study skills programs these are all for students between the ages of 7 to 18 right the k-12s and and beyond and uh, we did a lot of these kind of enrichment programs for them and I noticed three trends. One is that, you know, parents were a lot more questioning of the way teachers discipline the students, right? They would actually interfere and question teachers, uh, you know, how how could you do this kind of thing? What was the science behind it? You know, they would really interfere and ask questions. The second thing I noticed is that within my peer group, I actually had friends who would quit within the, the three months of joining the organization. And it was shocking because I was raised to believe that if you leave an organization, there's a, a, like a black mark on your CV and your resume, right? And then it'll, get, it'll be really hard to get hired again. And here I had friends and colleagues who would leave without even getting an, uh, another job, right? Before they, they attended their resignation. So they had no in resigning. And third is... Uh, one of the experiences that I noticed my stint at the National Service was where I found a young officer who was able to rise up the ranks, right? We have these officers who have that education and we have also what we call warrant officers who actually have to spend about 10 years to get to the same level, same rank, right? And I noticed that generation gap really happening when they were deciding how to carry out the same program, right? And I actually, as a sergeant, behind the scenes, I could actually see, uh, you know, the generational differences play out. And that kind of made me realize, actually, it's it's very interesting to see these uh, nuanced changes uh, you know, happening. And I decided doing these things in school, I was really wondering, is there a problem in the workplace? Because I'm seeing this in my own special uh, experience. Uh, personally, I wonder what's it like in the workforce. The Google search, I was actually surprised to see that, you know, a lot of the problems were being pointed out, were being pointed to uh, what we now know as millennials. And I, back then, thought I was a Gen Y and millennials were born after 2000s. <laughs> Even I made that kind of a mistake. And I, and I was like, yeah, these millennials. And then when I came to the definition, I was like, oh my God, actually I fall under this generation. But in a way I could relate and I could also understand the frustrations that 
tended to have when it comes to, you know, men. And I felt like, you know, there's really nobody in this space. What if I could maybe, uh, you know, kind of clarify things a bit and look in the area. Another thing made me want to do it is because a lot of the research I saw was based on a U.S. demographic, not really an Asian demographic. And I was like, hey, there's got to be somebody who's talking about this here and seeing whether the same kind of results, do we have the same kind of behaviors? Is it really homogeneous across the globe? Or are there some nuanced differences as well? So all of that kind of excited me to really, you know, uh, kind of own that niche. You know, it's really interesting, right? When I thought of the word millennials, right, I thought of people that were born in like 2000, you know what I mean? And when you said, oh, millennials are born in the 80s, I was like, I'm like super excited because now I feel like I'm 15 years younger. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so I just want to kind of like, and, and I'm sure that's like what some of the, some of the people here were also thinking. Some of our audience members are also thinking exactly the same. So by the way, if you guys, uh, you know, think that drops an email, right? Hello at adamstrong.net or uh, tag us as well on uh, social media. Now it's interesting. I want to kind of like, you know, drop into the second question, if I may, um, because, you know, what you were saying around the whole kind of millennials thing. Now, you've been working in this domain for, for a little bit now, which is kind of interesting. But now you must have a real good understanding of how millennials are wired and, and things like that. But from your perspective, like what trends have you found that, you know, that really influence uh, millennials' mindsets more than more importantly? You know, what are their... Uh, habits and what are their um you know what are their behaviors should we say do you know do you know what i mean yeah well i i do notice that millennials tend to have very unique behaviors that are a little different from the older generations and i i'm also only pointing out the pro- problematic ones um some of them are okay let me point uh share the three that i've uh, kind of noticed the first is that the younger generation uh, and this includes gen z's as well is they go through what we call a quarter-life crisis. Now, where does this come from? It comes from the fact that the narrative that we've been fed from our parents and adult figures that you got to study hard, you got to get into good school, get good grades, and you'll get into a good job and you'll be happy for the rest of your life, right? Because back then, that narrative <laughs> allowed us to really <laughs> get, into, get into a good job, parachute into a high-income bracket. And uh, that was the reality for the baby boomers and even for the Gen Xs. But, and that's why the more educated you are, the more respect you were given in society and stuff. But what we are noticing is that millennials did the same thing. They, they checked all those boxes and they're they and they still feel like I'm missing out on life. I don't like this job. Uh, I feel like the grass is greener elsewhere. And they go through this thing called the quarter life crisis because number one, they don't know what to do next. They don't know what to do with the degree that they've uh, so hard they've worked so hard to get, and um, they don't know which direction is the right direction for them. So that's quarter life crisis for the younger ones. Second thing we notice is that you know um, they have this unique behavior of ghosting people, which means like just like in social, really, really irritating, and you don't want to deal with them. You just block and delete, right? So it's like it's the same kind of behavior that we are seeing them copy into their real life, where you meet somebody on Tinder, you you don't really uh, you know had one date right in person. You don't want to deal with them. You don't want to tell them that, you know, they are, 
they're not so uh, compatible. So you just ghost to them. You totally block and disappear. And this is very damaging for the other person because they have no closure. They don't know what happened. They thought the date went pretty well. They don't know and they're left with questions. And, uh, you know, this is because I think the younger generation, um, what I've noticed so far is that they have more anxiety when it comes to social interactions, whereas the older generation tend to have more anxiety when it comes to technology, right? <laughs> so we've, I've noticed this uh, quite a fair bit in a lot of instances to be able to draw that conclusion. So when it comes to difficult and, uh, you know, meaningful conversations, um, they actually struggle a lot. They think twice about it. They will type something on WhatsApp, delete it, rephrase it, and they'll still have it. brings me to the third behavior, which is what we call the blue tick anxiety. You've seen it, you've read it. I know you've read it because I see the two blue ticks there, but you haven't responded to it. And that gives me anxiety because I'm thinking, did I send the message wrongly? Did I, could I have phrased it better? And this this is typically with a romantic relationship. It's typically with a relationship uh, at the workplace, right? So if if their response isn't there, because right, uh, then they also go through this anxiety and um, they overthink some things that should not be. So these are some of the traits and behaviors that I've noticed uh, amongst the young generation specifically that I would like to share. That's interesting. I thought it was just me. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's all of us. It's, interesting. it's all of us. Okay, that's good. Now I don't feel so alien. Um, interestingly enough, I mean, I want to pick up your first point. So with your first point, do you feel like in terms of like, you know, the anxiety and things like that, do you think it's because a lot of millennials have a lack of purpose? Is it because they're going through an identity shift or they haven't, you know, they haven't, found their identity? Is that what it is? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think a lot of them go through this um, thing where they see on social media, everyone's happy, right? Everyone's doing what they want to be doing. And, uh, you know, because of course, social media is like the highlight reel of your life. You showcase all the best moments there. And um, it's hard to not compare yourselves to them and uh, the lower end of the stick, you know, uh, the lower end of the deal and uh, your life could be even better, uh, you know. So I think it is a lot of comparison. Um, but uh, for those who have also kind of identified that, you know, this is something that I'm really And, you know, the, the entire, which is, you know, you're doing something you're passionate about, something you're good at, something that you get paid for and something that you can use to contribute back to society, then that, that usually gives them a, a sense of assurance that they are on the right track and directionally they are moving in the right direction, right? So we do tend to notice that, you know, the people who haven't gone deeper and gotten in touch with their self-awareness of what who they are, what they really want and what they really care about, uh, they tend to go through more of these kind of uh, thoughts about, you know, thinking that the others have it better than them. Sounds like a, an early version of a midlife crisis. Do you know what I mean? It is. It's the younger sibling. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so there's no such thing as a midlife crisis, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's going to be a pre-midlife crisis. That's the new, that's the new terminology. <laughs> the midlife, okay, so that's interesting. So um, I know that you were talking a lot about mindset stuff, which is like really juicy stuff. And you also mentioned about like what, 
how millennials are being influenced as well. And, you know, sort of what's really interesting, you were talking about like the identity crisis that millennials are kind of experiencing. Do you know what I mean? Um, but also um, how does kind of like from your perspective, do you think that also things like culture and upbringing, um, you know, and, and, and kind of things like that, do you think that uh, that also has a mitigating factor towards kind of like the trends and the behaviors of, of millennials too? Yeah, yeah, we are absolutely a byproduct of uh, the world we lived in. So to give you an example, the millennial who grew up in a third world country wouldn't have these identity crisis kind of uh, issues because they are right. just thinking about putting food and water on the table, getting in a good shelter, moving from a tier three a state to a tier one state, right? Um, and getting a better livelihood, right? Because they have, uh, you know, they haven't gotten the basics uh, in place yet. And uh, we do tend to find that, you know, uh, millennials in the third world countries tend to to have not the same kind of aspirations as the millennials in the first world countries tend to have, right? So uh, we can tell that we are of uh, the immediate environment we live in. Okay, so great. Um, and I'm glad we cleared that up. Um, <laughs> so, um, all right. So interesting, you know, over the last two to three years, um, it's been really interesting for a lot of businesses, hasn't it? And, um, you know, with the pandemic and a potentially world recession, etc., like kind of looming and stuff like that. I think, you know, based on my conversations that I've had with people, and I'm sure that you've had exactly the same, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of businesses find really difficult right now is attracting you know, uh, top talent, millennials, right? Top talent into your business and stuff like that. Um, do you know what I mean? Um, but from your perspective, like, how can we kind of like shift that like perspectives, uh, that perspective, should we say, for, for leaders more, more specifically about how they can attract like top talent, more millennials into where that you know, whether they're hiring their first employee, whether they're, uh, you know, trying to bring it into a larger team or an organization or whatever it is. What have you, like from your perspective, how should leaders position themselves to attract more millennials? But more importantly, like how, what, I, I, I suppose a, a second question on this as well was, what are the benefits of actually hiring millennials? You know, I'd just really be fascinated to learn more about that. And I'm sure that some of our leaders would. So, um, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Okay, okay, yeah, let's let's do that. How do we bring them in? And second question is, what's the benefit of having them? Okay, so uh, to answer that, right, uh, you know, to in order to bring the younger generation in, I think, I think what we need to realize is that you know, you to these uh, people as they come into the organization. So it's not like last time where baby boomers, who are also known as the job clingers, because back then opportunities were scarce. Getting a job was hard, so getting that iron rice bowl where you in Asia we call it the iron rice bowl where you go into the government or you go into MNCs for jobs is seen as something really successful and you get you are seen as a great person if you're able to get into that right and uh, secure a job for life or secure a long term job. Uh, entrepreneurship was looked down upon, right? Uh, it wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur back then. Entrepreneurs were seen as people who couldn't study and then they had to move into entrepreneurship, right? Uh, and even even if they did do well financially, that respect wasn't accorded to them because they felt back then, the baby boomers felt that, you know, education is the way to go and, you know, to, to secure that future that you needed. 
right? That stability was the key thing for them, right? But uh, today we see that opportunities are left, right, and center. We have the gig economy, we have entrepreneurs, we have the startup. We see so many different kinds of organizations, sorts of things to recruit the young talent. So one thing we can see for sure that uh, the, the, the competition for recruitment has become even more intense, right? Uh, tech industry struggles to get talent because, uh, you know, they have so many options, right? And so we also notice that the millennials and Gen Zs have this consumer mindset to picking and choosing the, 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 the company that offers them the best. So if you go to an interview and you just give them the basic offer, like, and, you know, on top of your pay, right, uh, you have the basic benefits like insurance and dental and stuff like that. Is that it? Do you have anything else to offer? Because these people are giving me unlimited annual leave, you know, free food vouchers, right, to bring me back to the office. They're allowing me to work from home, right? So many yeah. new initiatives are being brought up about, you know, in these companies. And, you know, it, like in our thing called um, you know, the matchmaking for singles, right? It's because you notice that uh, young people are so, so busy with work or other things that they don't know how to reconnect. And and Alibaba sees that as one way to add value to these people. So they take the profiles of these single people and they do a matchmaking service. And if they actually end up getting married, uh, you know, it was, it's rumored that, you know, uh, Jack Ma actually went down as a VIP for their weddings and stuff, right? That's crazy. Uh, we have another local... <laughs> yeah. I've we never have another... heard of that. That's so crazy. Yeah, go, Google it up. Yeah, Google crazy. it. <laughs> Google I need it. to check that out. Read Andy Obama love matching. I'm definitely going to be joining that <laughs> company. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So we also have startups that actually, uh, you know, for a, a coding company and a gaming company, because a lot of these individuals are sitting in front of computers. We have the leader says that, you know, we're going to bring in health coaches to make you exercise during office time because that's what's going to make you be more productive. It's going to make you move around. It's going to give you lesser of back aches and neck problems and stuff like that. So they are bringing in new initiatives to really engage with this. And they, they know, right, things that the young people are looking forward to. Money is important, but more than that, meaning and having a workplace. These are the kind of things that the young people want. And why do they want young people? It's because they bring in a lot of energy, they bring in a lot of enthusiasm, uh, they bring in a lot of ideas, and they are very tech-savvy, of course, right? So they bring in all of these things, and if you have that experimental mindset that, you know, really works with uh, the young people, you're okay to make, allow them to make some mistake, failure, fail fast, that kind of a, the young people to thrive, and it really can you know develop new products and services and help with innovation. If you have a very um, you know like do as I say, don't uh, break it if it's not broken. You know, if you have that kind of a mindset, then the young people will tend to feel like they are being stifled within the organization. They feel like they don't have a voice. Nobody's there to listen to them, and they feel like um, I'm not under a leader who is open things so they feel like they can add value else they go to so yeah i hope i i hope that answers those two questions yeah definitely definitely i i love uh i love what you were saying there and it's definitely give me uh certainly should give a lot of our listeners some some great things to think about and 
kind of it helps us to take us a little bit of a, a back step. Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah, I love that. Um, I suppose my next question really is like, how do you like if we was to take on a millennial as an employee, for example, or whatever it is, like how what's the best advice for leaders um to get the best out of millennials if we was if we was choose to hire one? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the best way to get to really understand them is to figure out their mindset, really understand what they see as value without assuming what you think is value. So the older generation will assume more money is more value to them but that may not necessarily be the case. So then the question is, what do they really value? And in my book, Engaging Millennials, I actually kind of break it down into seven fundamentals, right? So one is on are you able to communicate in a way that how does this work that you do make an impact on society or on the consumers? How, are you able to match that two points together, right? Are you able to make them feel like they're doing something that's really fulfilling and giving back to society? So this generation, because they grew up in a bit of a booming times, for them, their needs, according to Maslow's hierarchy, is a lot higher. Right? It's about being relevant. It's about you know giving back. Right? So that is one key aspect. It's not just about having a poster in the wall, but it's also about looking at how these actions are actually providing for the future. So uh, one of the things that some new companies are doing is they are part of the B1G1 buy one, give one kind of a network where when you make a purchase, you also are helping people who are uh, near and who need your help, right? So those purch- these uh, individuals feel like, yes, I'm part of a company that really, really cares for the under undernourished, underpoverished people. So that's fulfillment. Second is fun, right? Are, are you going to uh, have a fun working environment? And when I say fun, it how the office looks like, it can be in terms of how hierarchical you have or how how uh, you know how you can have it as a flat kind of a organization how flat you are right and how do you engage with the people do you play rank or do you focus more on the relationship right uh, we also look into flexi pay right flexi pay basically means are you able to give different kinds of options as one size fits all benefits right so so many of these startups and new companies are actually offering more than just insurance and dental, right? They have a lot more to give, right? So we, for, for example, some of these things include uh, work from policy, uh, two to three uh, days from we have, uh, also looking at uh, unlimited annual leave for some organizations who believe in that, right? So they have different kinds of uh, ways to really attract and bring, give the benefits that really attract them. Some will give shares, right? Um, for those who stay for more than five years to increase the retention. Some provide a lot of um, training, right? So the forward framework is really important. How do, how do I grow? A lot of these young people tend to leave, especially when they feel like there's no room for growth within the organization. So if you want to really retain them, you got to communicate what are the different things you can do. Can I grow upwards? Can I grow sideways? Can I go diagonally within different departments? Is there an internal career fair within the organization that can help me to see what else I can do um, and in different roles, right? Because it's just about going up. It can be also about going around about and seeing what are the different things I can try. So forward framework, uh, we also have a frequent feedback, right? Frequent feedback is about really helping them uh, you know, to understand how they are faring. So 
in the past, the baby boomers are the ones who brought in the annual performance reviews. They are the ones who said, we need to get some feedback to know whether they're, we're doing well or not. But now the frequency has just become a lot more intensive and a lot more frequent. So instead of one year, maybe we can make it into a three month and informally we can make it into a weekly thing where I get some feedback on the kind of work that I've been doing. This is very new to the older generation because a lot of them were uh, dealt a leader who would say, you know, just go and do it, get it done. <laughs> and there's no feedback usually, or even if there is, it's a one-way feedback, right? It's what are the things you've done wrong and what do you need to pick up on? So having that informal sessions of dialogue, having that two-way dialogue is really important for the younger generation to have. Um, another thing we want to look at heuristic, right? Is the organization leveraging on technology that allows people to appreciate one another? So can I give you points for doing something really great? And can you use in something that you really want, right? These are some of the things that, you know, companies can look into to really engage. It, it really makes everyone feel like they can make an impact on their colleagues instead of just saying, good job, right? There's something more to it. There's something that you can really use to impact that person, right? So these are, I think I've covered uh, roughly these key pointers that will really help to engage with the younger generation. It's basically being up to date with all the different things you can add value to your people as a leader, as part of the management, what are some of the things you can really do to make your organization really, really stand out and and make the people within your organization promote and say, hey, this is a great place to work at, come join us, as opposed to um, maybe check some other place out because I'm not really happy here, right? And a lot of organizations, unfortunately, the employees are not the biggest ambassadors of uh, the organizations. Yeah, true, true, definitely. Um, I, I agree on that. You know, it's interesting because one of the things that's really come across from my perspective, like, and I'm sure that you've had these conversations with a lot of organizations and companies out there about retaining top talent, right? So I know that there are a lot of surveys flying around. I know Glassdoor have done numerous surveys, for example. There's a lot of research out there to say that, you know, uh, that you know employee employee engagement is an all-time low but we also know you know my, myself and you for example we we all know that you know if we don't retain our top talent or our top employees or whatever it is um you know it costs us you know 100 times more than it does if we was to hire you know a brand new person do you know what I mean coming into the company and stuff um so i suppose from my pers from my perspective like what advice do you have for leaders to help them stop like the leaky bucket especially if they have like retention issues do you know what i mean in the business and stuff i'd love to know more about like what your the best advice is is that if they have a maybe a, a team of millennials or millennials in general you know what are your thoughts about retaining some of the top talents within the company what is it that they need to do yeah, I think what we need to do is to really have a pulse of what the employees are feeling. So having stay interviews instead of exit interviews would be one good step to really understand what's keeping you here as opposed to why are you leaving, right? Because yeah. a person, you know, one of the HR individual that I was talking to told me that she was actually surprised to hear that the person that she was conducting the exit interview uh, you know, she asked him, like, why are you leaving? You've been so active. You've been so proactive. Yeah, you really enjoy it. We also like 
having you here. Why are you leaving? And then he said, actually, I've been thinking about leaving for, for about a year now. And she had no idea. She had no wow. clue. And he, he didn't give any clue that he was planning to leave until and it came as a shock to a lot of people. And that's why it's important to have stay interviews because all of these things about leaving starts off as a simple thought. And then it germinates and then they collect evidence and then they and then different events happen and then they're like, Okay, that's it, I'm done and then they leave. Right? But that isn't a one day decision. People really think hard about leaving before they actually make that decision. So having those stay interviews really interrupts that thought. It really makes them feel listened to, make them feel valued, make them feel like, you know, I'm here to take care of you. I, I, I may be strained right now, but I want to do whatever I can to keep you here. So I think that should be the focus. How do we keep our current workforce engaged and how do we keep them longer? That should be that should be where we really put our risk to. How do I bring in new talent, right? How do I keep bringing in new talent mm. so that we have a pipeline? So uh, not just just because they are already employees doesn't mean you just let go of them and forget about them and don't care about them. It's important to really uh, have that conversation and have that real good data. So another thing that I think the management should look into is really capturing this data so that it can really paint the picture as to why these initiatives are required for our workforce to be a lot more productive and engaged. Yeah, I love it. Fantastic. So I know that we're coming towards like the end of our conversation, but I have to ask you something which is on my mind that I've written down here. And something that maybe has been happening for the last six to 12 months, some people will probably disagree with me, right? But the silent resonation, right? Or uh, you might know it as, as quiet quitting, right? Um, <laughs> and one of the things that I found, um, you know, and I'd be intrigued to know about this because like some of my clients have experienced this, um, but from your perspective, right, you know, why is it happening and how do we stop it? So I'd love to kind of like really get an understanding from your perspective of that. If that, that, that would be kind of, that would be really cool. Cheers. Okay. So I personally don't think it's a generational thing, even though it became popular through TikTok and, you know, amongst the young generation. Suddenly, um, there, was, um, there was another leader that I was talking to, a client who actually mentioned that this has always been happening. It's just that it's been called for different terms. So back then, we used to call them the wheelbarrow because you only work if I push you, <laughs> right? Like the wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we also call them the sensor. That means they only work when I walk past you right if not you don't work right so uh, the, the thing about getting people to be productive uh, really comes down to the leader and the leader's responsible fire to get them up about doing the work that they do right and uh, people are disengaged they just want to do the bare minimum and that's why they end up in this quiet quitting phase because uh, i also believe there are two types of quiet quitters ones who have always been the A-star employee who then feel like, uh, you know, they've missed an opportunity, they didn't get the promotion despite all of the hard work, then they go into a quiet quitting phase where like, you know, I've been working myself with the bone and I don't see any results, I don't see the point of going above and beyond, so I'm just going to reserve my energy for other things in life. And then there's always been the the other employee who's like, I'm, I don't really care for the promotions. I just need a job to keep myself active. Right? This is not like a career that I want to pursue and grow. 
I just want to do the basic and I just want to, you know, leave home on time and have a simple routine. So for them, they've already made a conscious decision that, you know, this is not something that I'm going to be chasing after. I'm not going to be part of this rat race. So we have that kind of quiet quitters who have always been like that. But I think the ones that really affect people are the ones who used to be really enthusiastic and energized, who then now become very quiet and you know indifferent. And that leaders are concerned because they lose their top performers uh, in a way because they stop doing the extra and going above and yeah, and I think you've really highlighted some some great pointers here in, in today's um, conversations. For you guys that are listening, and I hope that you're getting some great value bombs because I'm telling you now, like, I'm making a ton of notes right now. Uh, so I hope, and, and also, I hope that it's really resonating with you, some of the conversations that me and Vivek are talking about because this is a real challenge, you know what I mean? Um, and I, you know, from my perspective... You know, this is just such a crucial conversation because, you know, when we're talking about millennials and uh, top talent and things like that, you know, what Vivek has given you is is giving you that competitive edge. Do you know what I mean? Like, and if you understand the psychological edge to how millennials think and do, then that's really going to give you uh, an you know, really highly competitive edge over your competitors. Uh, but it's also going to help you really. Um, you know, really help stop that leaky bucket, like I mentioned before. So uh, I really kind of like wanted to um, uh, highlight that more than anything else. So uh, it's been a great conversation. Um, and I know that we're coming towards the end of our conversation, Vivek, and, and things like that. But I, now I know that you've got, you know, I know that you've got three um, books out right now, which is cool. And is the latest one, is it Engaging Millennials? Is that what you said? Yeah, so I have Empowering Millennials, which is my first one. Then Engaging Millennials came out in 2021. And uh, the one that's coming out in November is Millennial Leaders. How do you work across generations in the new normal? Love it, love it, love it. And what's the premise of, of that book that's coming out? What's the premise about it? What's How's it different yeah. from the others? Yeah, so um, all up till now, we've seen leaders, lead uh, team members who have most of them have been younger than them. And um, today we are living in a world where, you know, the leader that's being promoted, the millennial, right, they're finding themselves in um, managerial positions. They have to deal uh, with the older generation, right? They have to manage up and they have to manage even the older generation that's within, uh, under them uh, in their teams and the younger generations as well. They have to not just work in person, but they also have to work remotely with them, right? Across, uh, across borders and countries, right? Uh, we have uh, leaders who have to then also realize that, you know, um, they need to be able to communicate to all of them, despite the generational differences in terms of motivation, communication styles, work ethics, right? Yeah. Even that is also something that, you know, they need to really look into to be able to manage and lead. And we are also on, on the brink of burnout for a lot of us, right? And, being able to manage that kind of stress levels uh, because today we are on a, in an always-on kind of environment. We don't end work, we go home and uh, we still do our emails on the weekends and stuff like that. So how do we then manage ourselves? How do we manage the people under us? How do we manage the people above us? Yeah, that's the premise behind this book and, and you know, really to help the 
new leaders understand the new world we are living in and the new challenges that the older generations may not have come across back then uh, during the Love it, love it, love it. Well, listen, um, guys, for you guys that are listening, by the way, um, I hope that Vivek has dropped some amazing value bombs from you and you're getting some real juicy, juiciness out of today's conversations. Um, if you have any specific questions that you want to ask Vivek, um, feel free to reach out to him and connect with him on social media. We'll put all the links below, of course. And my recommendation, by the way, depending on where you are in the world, because I know that we've got quite a few listeners in Singapore as, as well. Um, is to check out Vivek's uh, books, which are sold on Amazon and all good um, bookstores from around the world. Um, Vivek, I just want to say thanks very much for being on today's show. It's been awesome to have you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for having me. I really loved your questions. Really great questions. And uh, I really love this conversation we had. Thanks. Awesome. Well, listen, guys, hope that you've enjoyed today's show. Do me a favor. I have a big ask to ask for you. Uh, from you guys. If you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify more specifically, I would love it if you could give us either a one or a five star review. Obviously, I'd love a five star review, but if you want to put an one star review, you can do that too. Um, but always good reviews, always excellent for the algorithm, etc. But more importantly, I'd love to know more from you as listeners and about how what you get from this podcast more specifically. So I'd love to have that from you guys. I'd really, really greatly appreciate that. Listen, from me and Vivek here on the Game Changers Experience, hopefully you can join us again on another show on the Game Changers Experience, and we'll see you soon. Take care and see you soon. Cheers now. Bye-bye.